Hello and welcome to my pod or yours. What? Luke, what are you listening to? We're starting the podcast. I'm getting into the spirit. Is this? This is Cheltenham Downtown. No, 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 absolutely not. This is an absolute banger. Okay, start the podcast. Here it is, Grace. Down towards the last in the champion hurdle, my tent or yours under this change of tactics continues to lead. The three that have beaten in the past are in pursuit. Boover, Dare, Jeski and Annie Power. This is the last. My tent or yours is over. Jeski under pressure. Boover, Dare and Annie Power are now in pursuit. Setting off up the running. My tent or yours. Under pressure, Annie Power. Boover, Dare, the last challenger. My tent or yours hanging on. My tent or yours. They can't take back the tent. Finally, tremendously, emotionally, my tent or yours won the champion hurdle from Boobadere and Annie Power. You're listening to My Pod or Yours. Hello and welcome to My Pod or Yours, powered by Bet Victor for our Cheltenham Festival special. My name is Luke Elder. And I'm Michael Andrews. This is part two. On part one, we were talking to Philip Hobbs, who told us about Deputy Sale. Kevin O'Malley gave us his Cheltenham Festival Lucky 15. And Dan Horsford told us about the Alan King runners at the festival. On part two, we're going to talk to Richard Hoyles about the demands of being a commentator at Cheltenham and also his fancies for the four days. Josh Moore is next up as well. He talks about leading contender for the Triumph Hurdle, Goshen, and other horses coming from the Gary Moore yard. And we'll talk to Sean Tiernan, the racing manager for the Brooks family. He'll tell us about all their runners, including Simply the Bets, for the plate. You're listening to My Pod or Yours. Back for another year, Richard Hoyles has joined us, the superstar commentator of ITV Racing and coming to many race courses near you, especially if you're um, a Saudi racing fan, Richard. It sounds like that's where you're jetting off to as well um, before Cheltenham. Yes, rather unusual from the bumper at uh, Fontwell in the pouring rain to um, the rather surreal in a way, sort of richest race ever run at Saudi on, on Saturday night. I've got my trusty green file here with all my hieroglyphics but after a preview night last Friday, um, it all got put to one side and then the crash course for Saudi. So it's, it's, not, um, it's not a reflection of their relative merits. It's just a reflection of one's tomorrow. <laughs> one is a week after that. So, so I promise that... you, as soon as, as soon as the plane get on the plane, the green folder is coming out. The red one for Saudi will go away, not to be looked at probably for another six to seven months. And then it'll be all hell breaking loose because I feel not slightly behind yet, but I will do when I get back in a week's time. That's interesting because I know, and everyone's quite aware, you're, you're very, very, very much a form form man. Like, you know, uh, it's interesting you talk about binders because I think there's um, a few um, uh, political gurus who uh, work for BBC who um, have a couple of binders that they managed to keep up with Brexit. Um, and that's many, many, many um, binders of work. How do you kind of, because obviously you call so many races across the UK and, and clearly across the world as well, but you kind of seem to form uh, kind of a database of these horses that you keep in your mind after you've seen them. How does that all work for you? Because I know everyone has different ways of doing it. Mine is very much like experience and going, oh, I remember that name for some reason. But you, I think, are a bit more organised than that. Well, I depends how you do it. I think what I like to have is I like to do a lot of work beforehand. It gives me a good sort of structure. So I, things will pop into my head without me having to be 100% certain that they were correct, you know, because often the, the windows to give them out are halfway during a race, and I can't really check the facts, so I need to be comfortable that I know it. So I tend to produce great big folders, printed press releases, all of the entries, and then I'll just addend them with anything, any comments that Paul Nichols made at the meeting we were at the other night, little things like that. You talk about commentating at Cheltenham, Richard. Obviously, you'd be associated more with ITV now, but when you were doing a, a race course commentary, 
how far before the Cheltenham Festival do you find that you or, or you find out what days you're commenting and more importantly what races you're commenting uh, commentating on so you can you can almost yeah so if you're so if you part, part of the race course team um we operate round about on average about four and a half months in advance but basically they're quarterly rosters and um as you get to the end of one the one for the um, quarter after next is coming out. So at the moment, well, I'd know my date up until the end of June, for example. So for Cheltenham, I would have known if I'd been on a race course, I would know my dates around that from the beginning of round about mid-October. So you're talking about four or five months. What you tend to do is we're all very fair about these sorts of things. Um, and you tend just to do the reverse of what you did the previous year. So there are a couple of exceptions to that. Um, but by and large, that's what we do. So you know, if you did the Tuesday last year, you did the champion hurdle, you wouldn't do it this time around. You do odds and even, odds or evens, and uh, you, you, you move from one to the other. And the idea being that everyone then gets a fair crack of the whip over, over the sort of cycle. Everyone calls different races, and um, you spot the other person anyway. Uh, but that's the way it tends to operate from a race course point of view. You get about four, four and a half months' notice, and you'll sort it out amongst yourselves what you're doing. But ideally, it's the reverse from last year if you work with the same person. Is there uh, any race in particular that you kind of think, oh, I would, I would really quite like to do that one though. Like, you know, if you could make an agreement with Barty around the corner, um, <laughs> which one would he say? Okay, I'll, I'll allow you to do that. He'll probably say yeah, he'll allow you to do all of them. To be honest, but yeah, um, I was going to say it's right. Yeah. He'd always want me to do anything. As long as I would then do the last, that would be fine with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could do all the great ones as long as I did the last every single day. Then that would be absolutely fine. Um, I th- no, I think it, it varies year on year, doesn't it? So this year, you probably everyone's favourite would be the Champion Chase. That's probably the, the you know the most interesting race going into it. But of course, it doesn't work out like that, does it? Quite often, the most interesting races on paper turn out not to be. And quite often at the Cheltenham Festival, you get a, a story or a finish that is dramatic and that might bite you know, wonder walkabouts in that RSA. You know, that didn't look a great race really beforehand, uh, but turned out to provide one of the, you know, one of the, most bizarre finishes of recent years really so um yeah going into it i'd like the queen mother champion chase this time around um and the great thing about itv is you tend to lose a couple of the we've only got rights for five races we get this every time but um racing tv we withhold the rights for two a day and so as a result we you know we're not able to show those um but it does mean you also get out before the end and can start working on the following day and you do lose a couple of those that are really horrible like the bumper or something like that so um, I have it a bit easier now. Maybe more races, but at least the, the quality ones aren't, aren't the difficult ones. You talk about races that you want to commentate on. I, I remember in, I think it was the Racing Post a few years ago, I think you penned an article with complicated horse names that you would rather they not run at the Channel <laughs> Festival. I think, I think Quantitative Easing was in there. Are, are there any this time around that you sort of, you, you see like an Irish name or a, a Gaelic name, or is it, or is there any no. French named horses? You know that <laughs> yeah, are French, yeah. particularly that, difficult to pronounce for uh, punters. No, sometimes it can be the odd combinations. So uh, literally, uh, I was doing the the National Spirit at Fontwell on Sunday, and I had real problems. Only five runners, and I had real problems during it. Um, I was just aware that I kept looking at these horses, and I don't know. It was William Henry and Thomas Darby. And every time I looked at one, it, it just didn't sit. And I constantly kept having to check and double check. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realised it's because um, York Racecourse is run by William Darby. That's, that's why it was, was bugging me. Uh, so when I was looking at these, <laughs> when I was looking at these two names, I kept, my brain kept wanting to say William Darby and thinking, but that's not right. And it's not. And I couldn't. It took me absolutely ages. To, so what I'm saying is that it can often be something you don't really realise. 
this is this is bizarre. They, those two just will not stick. And so again, if you get two horses that are quite similar in names or um, something like that, that can actually be more disconcerting. They don't look difficult until you get going, and then all of a sudden, your brain's sending all sort of flashing red lights. You can't understand why. I think the one that I hate the most is Southfield Theatre. That is really tricky <laughs> oh, to get okay. out. The now, TX, I, yeah. Until that point, I'd never thought that was a problem. But now... <laughs> now it's going to be... Yes. Oh, now, no. it's, now it's a problem. Oh, no. <laughs> now, well, like, now it will be. It's like, for years... I, mean, I, I don't know whether you might have, you might have to read it out so, you know, in the, in the, the ear of the listener. But for years, I'd call a horse of Paul Dixon Noble Locks. I've always called it Noble Locks. Never thought twice about it. <laughs> I know what you're going to say about yeah, well, well, yes, it was a gelding. And obviously, obviously, it was named to completely fool the commentator. It did me for years. But it never bothered me at all until someone told me. And <laughs> next time I'm calling it, oh, you know, Noble Locks seemed to morph into, well, well, obviously, what you know, the owner probably meant. <laughs> You, you not having any it. tackle. You, you can you know. say it. it's allowed. Okay, yeah, no bollocks. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I, just said, I just said that in two years until somebody told me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, we'll go back to your selections then for um, for what you've picked out for Cheltenham for 2020. Right. Um, I think you gave us a couple of uh, handicappers last last year, but we're intrigued to see what you've got uh, in your bank this year. In it, well, that is in the green binder. Right, the green binder. Well, the green binder has every winner in it because it's got every flaming entry. <laughs> so, so I'm starting from position. So we're going. So there's going to be something supplemented. That's going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I've got Silas Emery and um, such, uh, you know, big letters against it for whatever. So yes, possibly, possibly, you could still be correct. That is a very, a very fair point. So, um, in no particular order, um, the, the best sort of short price horse, um, I think. Uh, is Benny Dedeur, who I'm pretty sure will run in the mares. It, uh, Willie Mullins seems absolutely fixated with, with the mares. He, he ran Corvega on it for years and years. And, um, I don't think she will go the champion hurdle route. And he always says he's got, he wants to run them in the, the race they have the best chance of winning. And I don't think the stayers represents the best chance. I think they might have eyes on the two-and-a-half-mile race at Aintree, um, or maybe a race at uh, Punchestown, and I think she would have a comparatively easy race. It wouldn't worry me if Honeysuckle turned up. I think she's better than Honeysuckle. So, so that's the sort of shortish priced one, which isn't particularly inventive. Now, the other ones that I quite like at the moment um, are uh, a horse of um, Jeremy Scott's called Champagne Court, who I think will run in the Northern Trust, which is yet another renaming of that uh, 0 to 145 novice handicap. Is that, is that the novice, the one that... It is, um, that's right. A Plutard one? Um, is, was yeah. it A Plutard on it last year? Yeah. Yes, the novice two yeah. and a half miler. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Um, now, this horse I saw, I think he's a better chaser than the hurdler. I saw him first time out over fences, I think it was at Sandown, and he really jumped soundly. He popped round Sandown. I'm, that's a massive plus for a novice. And I immediately thought, oh, that's, that's an interesting one for a Cheltenham handicap. Uh, then he ran it at Plumpton um, for the, in one of the £60,000 bonus um, novice chases. So you're immediately thinking, yes, that, that's extra interesting. And then off a mark of 142 or 143, it had its comeback run off an absence and popped round Cheltenham. Perfectly OK. I like horses that have been to the festival before and shown some form. He finished fourth, I think it was, um, or certainly in the frame, in the Martin Pipe, fourth in the Martin Pipe last year, behind three absolute plotted up Irish horses. He was off 127, I think, that day, so he is much higher. But I do like him, and I, I think he's, he's an interesting horse. So Champagne Court in the Northern Trust, or the 0-145 um, handicap. 
Now, I put up as my best bet at the recent preview evening I did, a horse called Countista in the County Hurdle, um, where I, upon I was immediately trumped in the same race by Dan Skelton or a question to Dan Skelton that mentioned Mohayed. Now, both of those are decent prices and they fulfill that category of having run well at the festival before Countista was third and has gone, well, I say walkabouts, but had two runs in that just look as if they're intent on not getting his mark put up. Um, and Mohayed has dropped markedly, a county hurdle winner a few years ago, to a think. Um, Dan Skelton nearly always has one put aside for the county. Remember, he won it last year as well. So um, I think Mohayed is an interesting contender, along with Countess, so they're big enough to back both. And the slightly way out bet of the novelty sort of angle is Lammy Surge in the Stayers each way without Paisley Park. So I'll say that again. I'll say that again slowly because it's a bit messy. But the market without Paisley Park features the perpetual good horse who doesn't win, Lammy Surge, and currently around about the time of recording, last time I looked was eleven to one in that market. Now, given that he doesn't have to win, he can finish second to Paisley Park and, <laughs> and win as regard that bet is concerned. And he'll be ridden to pick up the pieces. And he's run well at the festival before. <laughs> The more I've spoken about this, the more I like it. Um, now, obviously, there's the question whether he'll definitely go there, but um, I think he probably will. Um, so, yeah, I think he was, he was very, very interesting. Um, he does hold a Coral Cup entry, and he has run in the Coral Cup in the past, but, um, and that's not a non-Mononobet bet market, so that's a slight concern. But um, I thought that was quite fun. And Sempo. I mean, last year's bumper worked out, has worked out really well if you look at the horses we're talking about in Bois, Allen, Abracadabra. Um, Sempo finished sixth, I think, in that bumper. And he does hold an entry in the Albert Bartlett and the Ballymore, but he would be interesting if he ran in one of the handicaps. I think he's only entered in one. I think it is the Coral Cup. So a horse of Sempo called Sempo, and uh, that is Joseph O'Brien's. I thought that was uh, interesting. So there you go. Sempo, Benny Didier, Count Tister, Stroke Mohayed. And for a slightly weird one, Lammy Surge without Paisley Park each way. I think you're very brave trying to outsmart Lammy Surge. He makes everyone. <laughs> well, he could finish. I worked out he could finish fourth, and I'd still get a draw. So, he was, so, he was so, nailed on for fifth. <laughs> yeah, quite probably, and probably in heartbreaking circumstances. But I, you sort of see the workings, if you know what I mean. You might not get paid, but it sort of, it sort of covers him off a little bit. Um, the danger is, of course, that they decide to run him in the, the handicap because it was a massive run in that race last year. But uh, I don't know. I just think that he ran so well at Ascot, the back of that absence. I just think you might be tempted. Paisley Park could scare off quite a few from the stairs, couldn't he? I know someone who's very interested in Countista and would have been very happy to have heard, heard you say that. But um, the one me and Luke have... I feel like we are live still kind of living off from yeah, two years ago. We, we, we haven't really got over his right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it would be really interesting to talk to you about um, is another of uh, JP's horses uh, in a great view. Now, what did you make of that very conspicuous, inconspicuous um, run last time uh, when I think he was third in Ireland? I can't remember the track. Punchestown. Yeah, and that, that was it. Was that in the Potemps qualifier? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a it is a, the guessing game, isn't it? Um, yes. I mean, the, the problem with the JP horses, you're never quite sure, even when they put up the eye-catching ones, whether you're actually on the right one, because there was also one race last year that also put up quite an eye-catching performance in qualifying with that sort of Warwick, I think, when he came over to run in that. Um, 
Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I, I, it's, a, it's an obvious one, but then last year's was quite obvious and it went and won. So, yeah, if I can see where you're coming from, and the Potemps only has a limited number of qualifiers. The reason I think we're kind of so so with a great view is he, um, it was in the Potemps uh, in 2018 and made a terrible mistake and then stayed on for six behind horses right. Delta Work, Glenlow. Taj Badalanda and who dares wins, you know. What was that? What was that third one again? Ta, uh, fourth. <laughs> Taj <laughs> Badalanda bad. I'm going to hand you over to Luke the for uh, the game of the t- of today. I know we had you a bit last time, Richard, but um, we've we've jazzed <laughs> up a bit this time. The game. I don't. Have we got really a, a a name for this game? Make Hoyles look foolish. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not to be the hardest game in the world, is it? <laughs> so, last year we played you your own commentaries, snippets of your own commentaries, and asked you to name the race. Um, I think yeah. you did reasonably well. I think we did get slightly trickier towards the end. Um, yeah, the last one but, I, I, I said I said you the time before we came out that I still could be guessing this did. You know, yeah. I'm really you thought I might know it, but. I would never have got that. Never have got that at all. Um, but this year we have um, commentaries that might not be yours. So Luke's going to okay. read out and then you have to guess who said this. The, the first one, I've given you an easy one. Okay. <laughs> That's always very fatal, isn't it? It's like put... the first three on Popmaster, you know? The three points <laughs> right at the beginning. You know, who sang, I don't know, Maggie May or something really obvious and you get it wrong and your heart sinks for the rest of them. So go on, uh, I hope I can get this. I won't put on a Scottish, uh, Scottish accent for this. Uh, the first one, you have to get the, the commentator. The race as well will get you no extra points, but it will grow your head, I imagine. As they race to the line, the mare is beginning to get up, and as they come to the line, she's made it. Dawn Run has won it. Dawn Run has won it from Wayward Lad. Well, I'd hope that would be Dawn Run Gold Cup with Sir Peter. The mare's beginning to get up being the, the line that probably sticks in most people's memories. You've absolutely nailed it, and it sounds a little bit like this. And the mare's beginning to get up, and as they come to the line, she's made it. Dawn Runners won it. Uh, the second one is, as they climb up the Cheltenham Hill, it's best mate. The horse who promised so much. Comanche Court is fighting back in second place, but best mate is as good as they thought he was and wins the Gold Cup with Comanche Court. Oh, okay. From Comanche Court, that is. Sorry, not with Comanche. Court. I was, I was, I was waiting for you to give me the line that I would have recognised as three gold cups, which would have said Simon. But if that's missing, it must have been whoever did that on the race course. Um, which, which could have been anyone of myself. It wouldn't have been Mark, I don't think. It could have been Ian. So, hmm. Did I call his third gold cup? If I did, I didn't do as good a job as Simon. Um, I'll go with Ian Barlett. Oh, oh you talked about him so much. Um, but it was Simon. Simon what, Hall. What, he, had three, he had three gold cups in there, didn't he? Wasn't that I his don't, line? I don't, not, not, when he, I, not when he beat Comanche Court. Not the first year. Oh, sorry, it was the first year. Sorry, that's why I was that. Now, that's me being guilty of thinking of thinking of presuming it was the third. Yeah, exactly. It was more iconic. Luke's tried to catch you out there with, uh, with ah, that. Ah, well, you, you successfully did so. The third one, Richard, you're one from two so far, so we'll, we'll okay. that. That's all right. That's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's Fahin who's bounding up the hill, and he is a machine. Fahin maintains his unbeaten record, and it's a treble for Willie Mullins and Ruby Walsh. Fahin is the champion. I don't think I ever used Fahin the machine. Mark Johnson. Shall we, shall we find out who it is? Yep. This is who it is. And he is a machine. Fahin maintains his unbeaten record. That's actually Catamore. Well, so far. <laughs> right, one one out of three so far. See if you can yes. get it. I'm to... they're going to get harder, though. So keep going. Keep going. And this is the moment that all punters have been waiting for. One of the festival bankers who fluffed his lines 12 months ago puts the record straight in no uncertain fashion. Denman won the Royal and Sun Alliance. I think that's more likely to be me. You might recognise this voice. And this is the moment that all punters have been waiting for. One of the festival bankers who fluffed his lines 12 months ago puts the record straight in no uncertain fashion. Denman won the Royal Sun Alliance. Correct. It was oh, yourself. Lord for that. <laughs> well, okay. Right. Okay. 50% and the most embarrassing one saved. That's, that's okay. On. Last one coming up. Down towards the last in a champion hurdle. My tent or yours under under this change of tactic continues to win. The three <laughs> that beat them in the past are in pursuit. Bouvardere, Jeski, and Annie Power. This is the last. My tent or yours is over. Jeski under pressure. Bouvardere and Annie Power are now in pursuit, setting off up the running. My tent or yours under pressure, Annie Power. Bouvardere, the last challenger. My tent or yours hanging on. My tent or yours. They can't peg back the tent. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> It is, is indeed, right? and it is still <laughs> our, it is still our theme tune to the podcast, which is which is great. So uh, you did pretty well. Excellent. You got three out of five, and and I think the most importantly, you got both of the commentaries from yourself, and you picked up that it was my tent or yours very early on, which is great. <laughs> you do remember, and clearly, clearly, Luke, he's a listener to the podcast because he clearly listens to that all the time. We tell we are honoured. Thanks so much for joining. We've got to ask then, what is your bet of the festival? Which out of those few you gave us is the one we should be we should be lumping on? Well, Ben did is a bit too short. Um, Cantista and Mohay are obviously two for the price of one. So I'm going to go for the odd one. That strange bet um, to complement all the more sane ones you will do. You will have great fun as long as he turns up. And that's obviously the main concern. So wait until the day. Betting without Paisley Park in the Stairs hurdle. Each way bet on Lammy Surge. The old cantankerous horse could finish first, second, third, or fourth, and you'd still collect as long as Paisley Park was uh, one of the other horses that was in there as well. So Lammy Surge each way without Paisley Park. Slightly quirky, but um, at that stage, at this stage, it uh, it appeals. You're listening to my pod or yours. Uh, once again, we are joined by Sam Boswell from Bet Victor, who are powering this podcast. Um, Sam, I requested someone else this time, but you still turned up. I know, I know. Unfortunately, uh, like a bad penny, Luke, I just keep turning up. Well, we've got you, so we'll make do with you. For the festival, obviously, hot pots galore. We've got the likes of Shishkin. We've got the likes of Apple Card to, to look forward to. Uh, we'll start with your worst result. What will that be for, for Bet Victor? There's a few in the book that are going to be great results for punters let's look at it from a positive angle i think paisley park at around four to six now is still in most people's multiples all over the show um you've got the likes of envoy allen who's been very popular in the ballymore i think it would break a lot of people's hearts should he end up in the supreme i don't think he will i don't think you need to worry about that i think it's just a case of if he jumps around he wins i really really like that horse big time um on the two you mentioned though shishkin's really interesting obviously the opening race of the festival I think gets a lot more interest just because it's the opening race. It's always a good Supreme. 
Uh, Nicky Henderson's profile in the race is certainly interesting. Um, I've seen this horse in every single one of his starts, and the smile Nicky had at Huntingdon when he came back in just just really was noticeable. When you follow these people around half the year, you kind of clock things, and I think he thinks he's going to be an absolutely magnificent chaser. Um, I thought the comments that yourself and Kevin have in the podcast around him likened to Sprinter Sacra certainly exciting. Um, but yeah, he he's two to one with us. He was at one stage around 25s after his unseat uh, at Newbury before he went and beat Ben Pauling's good thing that will probably win the Imperial Cup on Saturday. Um, that's going to be a bad result for us as well. And I know you and Michael love Aplutard. Two to one now for the Ryanair. Uh, looks to be a great chance to give Rachel Blackmore a winner. Obviously, we've got that new customer offer. If you bet 10, you'll get 20 free bets and then £10 every time Rachel has a winner. I've got a good feeling that Aplutard is one of the more likely suspects on her very long list of uh, good rides for the festival. I'm going to put you on the spot here as well. What's your nap for the festival? You, you, you've, th- you've thrown me and Michael under the bus with Aplutard. I'm not letting you get away with it now. How short am I allowed to go, Luke? No Paisley Park. All right, Tiger Roll at evens. I mean, I, I just think I appreciate his prep's not been as ideal as last time, but the Boyne Hurdle run was fine. Yes, he'll have the French horse in there to give him a bit of competition this time. But as far as I'm concerned, I think we'll see a very, very, very good performance again. Maybe not quite as long a distance as last time, but he'll still win. And I think it'll be a fantastic moment for uh, connections in the festival. I'll allow that. Sam, thank you. Up the tiger. You're listening to My Pod or Yours. Uh, Last year on My Pod or Yours, we had Jamie Moore. This year, we've gone for Josh Moore. Uh, Josh, welcome. Are you going to claim it as an upgrade or...? A downgrade. <laughs> um, it's probably a negative for you, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, either way, we'll, we'll take it. As long as you're informative, then we're absolutely uh, fine. I have to say, when we had Jamie last year, I think he had been beaten on three favourites at Plumpton the day before, and he had two that were beaten at Foss last. So I hope you're in a better mood this time around. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had no. I've been struggling for a ride at the minute, so I've got nothing to be annoyed about on that front. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's even more annoying. <laughs> yeah. We talk about being annoyed. Goshen is a horse that you're going to, well, well the, the yard are going to Cheltenham with with pretty high aspirations for the Triumph Hurdle. Whereas it seems that quite a lot of people have got quite a few negative things to say about him. Is that annoying from your standpoint, or do you just sort of rush it off? Um, it's it's it's, so it's quite annoying in a in a, in a way, but that, I mean that's other people's opinions. Um, when a horse is made a good start to his career over hurdles in winning very comfortably all three starts and done nothing wrong on the flat as well he won his three handicaps on the flat and in all very convincing fashion uh, we we've got a good bit of confidence in the way he's gone about his job so far and well when we came we did the the blindfold challenge with you and and Goshen was one of the horses actually and you you kind of said oh this is this is a this is a hurdler and and Luke says well he hasn't run over hurdles yet so you definitely yeah. had a mind for him very early on um, in the season, exactly what his target was going to be. Did you think it was going to, it could could get to these highs, up, you know, in the top top three or four of the betting for the for the big race at Cheltenham? Yeah, I mean, we 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 bought him as a jumper. His sister is Ellie May, who's done very well herself over hurdles and fences this season for Willie Martins. Um and he's a good pedigree. And the flat campaign was always with the jumping in mind it was just for him to learn a bit and get a bit of racing experience because he'd already schooled well um early on in this in the, in the spring uh, last year we'd already you know he'd been jumping away and jumped nicely and 
you know, hurdling was always a plan. So we hope he would translate his platform to the hurdles, and and he's definitely done that so far. Um, he's, you know, his first run at Fontwell, he he won very impressively there. He made a couple of errors, but the one thing annoying thing so far, I suppose, is that he's kind of raced on his own throughout his three starts over hurdles. He had a bit of bit of uh, company around Ascot, and I think it helped him. But he put the field to the bed very decisively there, and he had the likes of Nordano in behind him. who've come out on one handicap since, which I always like to see horses that you beat and come out and uh, perform to a high level in a handicap because you know your their marks kind of been warranted. Then um, a lot of juvenile hurlers get false ratings, and uh, you know you, you like to see the horses you're beating winning in handicaps because I think you get a better gauge of where you're at. You talk of, of other horses. He's currently 130 with Bet Victor for the, the Triumph Hurdle. I imagine you were a fair bit happier before Saturday afternoon when Paul Nick was unleashed solo. Do you, do you keep an eye on, on anything else that's going on with horses that might take on Goshen, or is it just a, we've, got to, we've got to face them at some point sort of thing? Yeah, obviously you, you keep seeing, you keep your eye on the opposition to see, what, uh, see how they're performing and how they race, etc. Obviously, Solo ran on Saturday. He was very impressive. He he kind of put to bed a nice field at Kempton, and he he jumped very well and 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 raced very straightforwardly. I think he got a rating of one five six or seven this morning, and I think Goshen's off one five one now. So on the figures, he he now has five pounds to find, but um, hopefully they are they probably become the highest two rated in the race for good reason I suppose and um, they're at the head of the market in reflection of that I I, I suppose. How would you how do you think tax is going to play out in this race because all three of the the big ones all mankind is a is a bit of a fruitcake he he only seems to have one way of running Goshen obviously you know as you say he's racing small fields and has been from has gone from the front Solo was was pretty keen in his race on Saturday um how do you see Goshen kind of fitting in and how do you think the race is going to pan out and do you think it's going to suit Goshen um one thing I thought would suit Goshen is the course you're racing on Triumph Third all day um I find it's more galloping of the two tracks around Cheltenham and he is a galloper as far as I'm concerned. Um, it takes a lot of getting. Uh, the fact he's won around Fontwell, which is kind of like 2-2. Two, two. He's won around Ascot, which I always think could be a stiff test for a juvenile in, in winter ground. Um, and he's won around Sandown would make me think that, you know, his stamina is one thing that would play into his hands, you would think. Um, so if it's going to be... A strongly run race, I would imagine that would, you know, be be the sort of thing that might suit him. It's probably tactically, it may be a strongly run race. Maybe everyone's going to change their mind on the day, but I think it should. I don't think it would matter to him how the race is run as such. And I, I think, you know, if something's going to go quicker than him, something's going to go quicker. If he has to make his own gallop, maybe he can make his own gallop. I haven't ridden him in his races, but he looks to me like he could go either way. Uh, we talk of, of other juveniles around this this year. It's not just Goshen in the, the juvenile ranks that uh, your father trains. Obviously, Botox has us around as well. He he won't go to Cheltenham, but Botox has, has got form with, with all mankind. How much would be between Goshen and, and Botox? As are we talking about 
completely different horses or are they are they similar in ways um no they're quite it's quite similar in a lot of ways they've never galloped too much together uh i i was when i got beat by all mankind uh at cheltenham i was surprised i got beat that day um and i you know i probably gave harry too much rope on the day i just didn't think uh, myself that i would be able to go the gallop he was going and pick up again and I just gave my horse a chance and um, I was probably not losing ground at the line but I couldn't make up for what I'd lost and I would probably say Goshen was probably more advanced at this stage of his career he probably having a bit of racing on the flat and being trained at two um, he's probably a bit of a stronger type Botox has you know, we've given him an easy time through the winter because he he, you know, he came to hand early in the year, but he, he just needed a chance to strengthen up again as we went through the winter. Hence, he's not going to Cheltenham. Um, so they're probably different on that front. The the way they race, they're probably, in a lot of ways, they're, they're probably both good, strong stayers over the distance and they cope with the ground, both of them. Um, but Goshen would have been the more physically advanced and he was probably one to take the winter better than Botox has has let's say Goshen the, the the main hope for Cheltenham we have got a few others to, to mention we'll mention Atois Phil and, and Traffic Fluid next because they're the two potential Grand National horses in the uh, in the yard but they mo they both might take in the Cheltenham Festival along the way yes um, Atois Phil is in the ultimate and I think it's also in the the plate on the Thursday um, he ran a nice race in the Denman chase at Newbury on his first start for us. Um, he wasn't beaten all that far, really. In the end, he kind of picked his way into the race and hit the line nicely, and he's come out of it really well. So he's looking like he might struggle to get into the national. He's, I think he's number 73 down in the weights, so he's probably he'd be touch and go and probably less likely to get there. So I think he will go to Cheltenham now, and I would imagine he would probably run in the Ultima, and he... You know, he's kind of been around this mark for a lot of his career and he's performed creditably as well. He's fifth in the attempts over hurdles there last season. Um, hopefully he's got a bit of mileage in his mark still. He certainly ran a nice race at Newbury, so all being well, he, he'll probably go there and hopefully he, he could run a nice race and be be in for chance. I think he cope with conditions and cope with the festival he's been and done there before, so... Um, he'd be interesting if he does run there. Um, traffic fluid. He's entered in the Coral Cup over hurdles. It was kind of unfortunate what happened to Ascot. And he, it was his first fall of his career. It's probably the first mistake he's made in his career. And he was, yeah, he was running a lovely race. And the objective was to get a good clear round into him in preparation for the national. Um, unfortunate. It was unfortunate what happened at the last, and it was uh, kind of sickening for everyone involved. But. Um, these things happen in jump racing unfortunately they're there to be jumped and luckily he's come out of it in great form um, he's, he's actually come out of the race better than he went into it in a lot of ways he's been eating well and been very fresh and well since strangely enough so um, he, he's entered in the Coral Cup over hurdles because we just want to get a bit of hopefully restore a bit of confidence make sure he's kind of a one for entry is, is the objective and with marks like he's got there's kind of limited opportunities at this time of year um, he's also entered in a handicap hurdle at Doncaster, but he might he might go to the Coral Cup and 
if he took his chance, it wouldn't surprise me if he ran well because he's turned up in champion chases and ran good races. He's won big handicaps around Shelton before. He's over fences. He he, he is a talented horse, and it, it'd be it, again it wouldn't surprise me if he ran a big race if he did go to the festival. But the the objective is to kind of hopefully put Ascot behind him and move on to the nationals as much as anything. It's, it's kind of weird, traffic fluid winning a, a novice hurdle at Plumpton only last year. So uh, he's very much um, cut his cloth over chases. But yeah, it's it's no nothing to say he can't do it over hurdles and that wouldn't worry you then. Uh, no, like he won over two and a half around Plumpton, which is a tight old track at Easter time. Um, and he, I think he beat Mr. Malarkey that day. Um, yeah. So it, it it wasn't a like a penalty kick of a novice hurdle that he went and won when he did his start his one start for us over hurdles. So he he's his work's very strong and say he travelled nicely around Ascot, um, but he's not short of ability and he's rated one for two over hurdles. So he probably would have a nice hurdle race in him off, off that sort of mark. And a quick mention for beat the judge as well who might go for the county hurdle, I think. He is a talented horse. He was only second behind Fuser Raffles in the, the Adonis last year uh, around Kempton, but that's his thing. He's a he's a quick two-mile hurdler on, on a sound surface, and uh, it, he, he'd be an interesting horse should it dry up, but very much doubt that will happen. The horse we're really desperate to ask you about is um, it's definitely one of mine, mine and uh, Luke's kind of favourite horses that we were very much on last festival, um, but we haven't seen him at all this year. Can you give us an update and can you convince us what race and if he's going to win not another muddle because we absolutely love this boy. Yeah, not another muddle. He's a talented horse. He's been training really well, schooling really well. He's entered at Newbury on Saturday in uh, two and a half mile handicap chase. Well, it's two free handicap chase. Uh, that would probably guide us as to where he actually runs in the Grand Annual or in the plate. He ran well in the Grand Annual last year, but it, I don't know. He kind of suggested to us that he might want the extra distance, which is why he's he's, he's running on Saturday, and hopefully that will tell us. But he is in very good form, and he's off a mark where he would definitely be competitive off, I think. Um, he, I mean, he has one over two and a half in his novice chase, and... Um, and, he, and around Leicester and Plumpton. So I don't think it'd be a problem, but when you're up in grade, sometimes it's a different story. Um, so I would, I think the plate would suit him, and I think if he was to get in that, he would, for me, be a strong contender, depending how Saturday goes. But he's been in good form um, up to now, so hopefully he'll run at the weekend at Newbury, and that will press him nicely for Cheltenham. Since this interview was recorded, Newbury was unfortunately abandoned on Saturday, um, but Josh has confirmed since that Not Another Muddle is still heading to Cheltenham, may go there straight, but has also got an entry for Leicester on the 6th of March. One to keep an eye on. I think I think actually Luke and I were talking last night about this, and we both kind of came to the conclusion that we thought the plate would actually be the better race, slightly more relaxed. And I think he, I think he can stay, as you say. Um, and something about the Grand Annual can just be, if you miss those couple of fences out, there's no way back after that. Um, so I think I'd be. I think he's got a really good chance, and it's really nice to have you uh, kind of um, speaking highly of him as well. Yeah, no, he he is he is a proper horse. He's he's just been a bit fragile in his younger years, and it's, it's just been a shame so that he hasn't probably had the racing yet that he deserves as such. Um, you know, so uh, hopefully we 
got him back right again anyway, all being well. The good news, Josh, is that that's a serious stuff over now. Oh, good. <laughs> the bad news is that we're now going to try and make you look silly. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. Not I hope hard. So. I mean, last time, last time we put a blindfold on you and told you to recognise horses by touching them. This yeah. time, you have to recognise your family members by quotes that they've said. Right. Okay. Jamie got how many? Did Jamie get last year. I think Jamie got almost all of them. I think he might have got all of them, actually. This is the game What More, in case you're, uh, and anyone didn't listen to it last year, where we play it, where we read out five different quotes from a different family member of the Moors. So that could be Ryan, Haley, Gary, Josh, or Jamie. Um, and uh, yeah, first up, here we go. Thanks, guys. They might have to go and fill the divot in. I just couldn't bear to see him go out on another lap. Who said uh, that? Uh, who said that? Haley. Correct. Chester. That was that was when Haley had to. Well, she didn't have to actually. She decided to <laughs> yeah. throw throw herself in front of a horse um, because she basically wanted the race to get 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 started. Really, she'd had enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second up, he's the slowest horse in the world. He can't lay up lay up over three miles, let alone two. Um, Extra point, by the way, if you can name the horse that he's talking about. Try. I haven't got a clue. I'll, I'll go with my dad. Correct. Correct. Talking to Haley. <laughs> Talking to Haley. Haley was interviewing him, asked if uh, he'd go if this horse would go on the flat, and that's what Gary replied with. Um, <laughs> and right. What was the horse? Uh, any idea on the horse, Josh? No, I haven't got a clue. No. Uh, apparently, the slowest horse in the world is Flashman. Flashman. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slowest and uh, cheekiest, maybe. <laughs> um, number three. He's got funny-shaped eyes, this horse. I don't know if you've noticed. That'd be myself talking about Goshen, maybe. Oh, that, oh! Is, oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> Do you know who you were talking to? Do you know who, who you told that to? I, one of you two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was during the blindfold challenge. I remember, yeah. <laughs> Of, uh, of last year, so I'm impressed very impressed straight away as well. Very impressed. He's clearly told a lot of people <laughs> about Goshen's <laughs> weird eyes. Yeah. Uh, number four, I know the horse well. He's not strong enough to keep him straight. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan having a bit of humour. <laughs> that was Ryan to Oshin Murphy uh, in the Goodwood Stewards room, correct? Yeah. Uh, the final one to match your brother and make it five from five. Never called him Eamon in my life. We know him as Des. Top man he is. Des the dentist now. <laughs> um, that must be Jamie. It is. Five out of yeah. five. That is, we, we couldn't find a quote from Jamie, so we trawled his Twitter feed. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just one of his tweets. We have no idea what context that's about. Do you, are you familiar with Des the dentist? Do you know who he is? Uh, Lanzarote winning jockey Eamon the Dashty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a guy called Des. It was a dentist. Des. He was known as Des. Or Dasher. Fair enough. Well, five from five. You must be quite happy with that. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I mean, if you, you win nothing the week, isn't it? Yeah. You, you've still got this. Like, Goshen might come fourth in the triumph hurdle, but at least you got five from five. And what more? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even if you can pick any horse across the festival, um, including one of your own, what horse would be your nap? Oh, um, I have to go Say, with Goshen. 
Paisley Park excluded. So, oh, Goshen. Okay, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Josh, thank you very much for, for helping us out. Uh, best of luck with anything that you guys have at the, the festival, and in particular, at Goshen. You're listening to my pod or yours. We're delighted to be joined by Sean Tiernan, um, famous for actually buying some pretty good horses at Cheltenham over the years, including our Connor Lebroyle last year. And he's also racing manager to the Brooks family, who have horses such as Simply the Bets, uh, Itchy Feet, Rouge Viff and others going into the festival. Sean, how did it all begin with you? How did you get into racing? And, and clearly you've, you're very good at finding them. Yeah, some people say that. I, I, I think, yeah, look, um, we don't buy a lot of horses. That's the most important thing. That's why people look at, we don't buy, you know, 50 horses or 60 horses every year and then mark up that we've bought one or two to go to Cheltenham. We don't do that, or I don't do that. Um, how did I get into it was the, your initial question. Um, my father had walking horses many years ago in the centre of Dublin. We collected a lot of a lot of feed stuff to feed our pigs and feed our cattle and gone back 40 years ago in the centre of Dublin. That was all done with horseback. So that's obviously where the interest started and it grew from there. Um, uh, I went and worked with uh, in America in the yearling sales and got some experience in Ireland and in, and in America and trained some two-year-olds over there, came back home and set up a pre-training yard in, in a great county of Wexford, uh, a lot of horses. And uh, and from there, I was I was introduced to, to Andrew Brooks by Dan Skelton, who asked me to buy him some horses, and they were successful. And it led from there on to, to buying the horses for Andrew and Kate and uh, and managing them right through. Then I was offered a job to take and run the whole ship, so so to say. So that's how that's how it developed. And and what's the kind of process that you go through, like? Obviously, for a lot of people, the kind of bloodstock injury is quite, you know, quite hidden. You know, a lot of people don't know that much about it. What do you do that, that to kind of, you know, from actually buying the horse through to into training with with owners with trainers such as Venetia Williams, Harry Whittington, etc. Yeah, um, when I first met Andrew, he was buying horses in, horses in training with form, so we just call them form horses, um, and was quite successful with it. But his interest and Kate and Andrew's interest is the actual animal. So they found it much better, and it was an idea I came up with, to buy young horses, whether it be Ireland or England or France, buy young horses that they get to know at a very early stage. And specifically, we try to buy two-year-olds that are broken in riding. National Humper had two-year-olds broken in riding. And those two-year-olds would go, would generally speak, and all depending on the time of year, but they'd all end up at some diff, at some stage in Tom Cooper, who's, who has also trained two Cheltenham winners. They'd go down to his base uh, down in Kerry, and he's a fantastic setup and a very, very judge of, of horse flesh. And they would go there and they would school over hurdles, school over fences, uh, do all the groundwork, and then eventually... Um, step up to running in a schooling hurdle or a schooling bumper in, in Ireland and then we'd judge them on, on their ability and then send them over to our, send them over to the UK to the relevant trainers that we think will suit that animal. Uh, what do you look for in, in a, a younger animal? Clearly you've had a, a fair bit of success in the, the past. When you're, you're looking at a young horse, what are you looking for? Well, there's a great family in Ireland called the Doyles. You have Peter and Ross Doyle, who buy a lot, most of the horses um, for Richard Hannon. And I met their father in America many, many years ago. Their, uh, Peter's father, uh, young Peter's, uh, or Ross's grandfather. 
And he said to me one day at the, at the sales in America, don't ever be afraid to buy a good-looking horse, whether he's by a fashionable sire or not. If he's a good-looking horse, buy him. And I stuck with those pretenses because at the early stage, you don't have the money to buy the really flashy pedigree. So I go back to just trying to buy a good, a good, a good type horse, plenty of size, plenty of scope, uh, and a good walk to him. And you know, the, 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 if you stand at the parading and watch them walking in at Cheltenham on the first day, you'll see all all sorts and shapes and sizes. Just having the experience to know that will that will that will stand training and that might not stand training. And I think that answers your question. Just try and find a good-looking horse with a bit of size, and from a stallion that hasn't got a reputation for producing uh, problem horses. Otherwise, it's uh, the individual to me is most important. Fascinating. That's that's really really interesting, and obviously it also means you don't you're not spending as much money as as perhaps your competitors, no. but you're still getting a, no, a good no. out of it. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at if, if I went back to the start, our uh, uh, was our Connor was four thousand euros uh, as a yearling. We bought him. I know he was subsequently sold for a million after that, but he was a four thousand pound yearling. Um, and then you go on to to Stalwart, who, who had um, incidentally, uh, sorry, um, uh, Al Connor had very little pedigree. Uh, feet has very little pedigree. He's actually no pedigree. Um, he has a pedigree, but he hasn't got anything at all. He's by a horse called Seema the Triumph out of an unraced mare that produced very, very little. But he was a good individual. And, and you know, Rouge Fifth was by Sageburg. Scandiburg is by Sageburg. They're not absolutely fashionable. They weren't when we bought them, at least, you know. But but um, they're good lookers. They're good, solid horses, and they've plenty of strength inside, and they come from good farms. And they were well, they were well fed from from an early stage and well minded, which is vitally important to get the end product is is to be looked after from an early stage. You mentioned a good lookers. We'll start with the the horses that are going to be running at Cheltenham this year. Saint Calvados would probably be one of the yeah. best lookers in training. Full stop. Yeah, he was part, Yeah, yeah. He's sm- smashing big, good looking horse. Uh, if you wanted a crib, Saint Calvados. When he went to the sales, people wouldn't buy him because he was slightly turned out of his R4 and slightly rotated of his knee. But I looked at him and said, seen worse than that. And uh, and we bought him very inexpensively. And he's turned out to be, you know, be, be lucky. You know, it's not, it's not, a, don't take for one moment, it's an easy game. That you, it's not easy. It's not easy, but but I think if you if you if you if you stick to what you believe in for long enough, it'll it'll come to fruition. What what um? So Saint Cabalos wasn't an expensive horse. He's got a couple of entries. Where where do you think you're going to go with him? Ah, uh, he'll run in the Ryanair. Yeah, he'll run in the Ryanair. I think I think Andrew was just was just putting the wind up Harry that he was going to give him a, an entry in the in the Gold Cup. <laughs> Harry Whittington would panic, you know. He'd panic, but uh, no, he'll run in the he'll run in the Ryanair. I was going to say, if if you would have given me a fiver to name the two races that Saint Cavados has entered in for the Cheltenham Festival, I think it would have been a very short price that anyone would have mentioned the Ryanair and the Champion Chase. But the Champion Chase, uh, not even not even an entry. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, because because we we think he's he's not good on he's below the standard to win the Champion Chase at two miles, you know. We think he's a much better horse over a trip. We always felt it, but Andrew would always wanted to have a two-miler, and he dreamed of having a two-mile chaser. Hence, we ran him in 
we ran him in the Arkle and that didn't work out. And then we ran him in the in the in the in the in the big one last year and that didn't work out. So yes, we had an entry, but he he really we were always going to step him up, you know. And we really think he'll get further than two four two five. You know, he's he's eventually a three mile chaser in our in our book. You know, if he gets the trip at three two or the Gold Cup, we don't know yet. You know. Uh, we'll stick with uh, Harry Whittington um, with uh, Rouge Vith because you just said I think just before we uh, we called you up today um, you've just had a, had lunch with Harry um, in Lambourne so hopefully we'll get this hot off the off the press Rouge Vith really impressive in the kingmaker last time um, what are the plans with him Yeah he he he'll go to the he'll go to the Arkles you know uh, we're hoping that we might get a little bit of better ground from which doesn't doesn't see, look like it's going to happen now. Um, we think he's a better horse and better ground, but he'd run through a brick wall for you. He really, really would, and he's a he. He has Harry has done a super job with him. Being by Sageburg and Sageburg by Johannesburg, they're slightly mentally fragile. Is the proper probably the diplomatic way of saying this, um, and he was mentally fragile. We had him in France as a two-year-old. We bought him at two, and we left him in France and a nice place to pre-train, and then he went over to Tom Cooper. But Tom was of the opinion, look, we need to go very, very slow with this horse. He has everything. He has gears. He has. He just wants to give you too much, and 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 it was too much at home. So they like to please. They like to give you everything. And he has shown that on the racetrack now, but he was given it too quick. He was too gassy in, his, in, in, in a lot of his homework. So... Obviously, Harry has done a super job, and we ran him in the hood originally, and we've taken the hood off. Um, Harry is really, really, really happy with the horse. He's in a great place. He's fit. He's well. He told me he rode him out this morning himself, he said, and I was trying to get him to settle. He said his blood picture would tell you that it's the race in, in, um, in, uh, in where was it? It was in, in Warwick, was probably probably took a little bit out of him, but his mental state hasn't. He's in great form. He wants to get on with He's eating and grubbing grapes, so we're happy with him. He's delighted with him. So I would rather a bit of nice ground, but we're not going to get that. But look, he's operated around Cheltenham before, and the last time he, we had the twinkies, he just flipped his palate, so he caught his palate before before he, he won. Before at His last one at Cheltenham, I should have. He, caught, he, 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 he got his palate covers after that. We think it's improved and he's wearing a tongue, tongue tie at the moment as well. As I say, we've taken off the hood. Harry's really pleased with him. Whether, you know, he jumps brilliant, gets away from his fences, grace. He can ride him anywhere. He doesn't have to make it. He can just sit off the pace. Look, it's Cheltenham. If we got inside that one, two, three, four, we'd be very happy, but we'd be disappointed also. Wow. Well, that's a pretty glowing report. And I have to say, you definitely, it makes sense. His form now kind of makes sense in the context you put it into. He's definitely been kind of slowly brought along. And it was, you know, for some people, but winning winning a grade two there would have been a bit of a shock because he's really progressed really quickly. But maybe that's just because of the way you've been yeah. bringing him along, which is which is awesome. It's really, really good yeah. to see. Um, yeah, we nice will... and slow with him. You just, does an 80-year-old man own Sageburg in France? He's called Jean-Pierre Dubois. He has drilled it into me the whole time. Don't work a sagebrook. They give you too much. <laughs> steady away, steady away, steady away. Don't work one. Don't work one. And I'd say Ollie Murphy is the same with uh, with Scandiburg. I'd say Ollie goes Ollie is a superman to get a horse fit. Absolutely incredible. 
but he doesn't. They do it without even getting fit, and that's the key to a Salzburg. One, one very good uh, novice there in the form of of Rushvik. We've got another one in the form of Itchy Feet, who's a Grade One winner already. Won at, at Sandown last time around, and suddenly off the back of that, he's now announced himself <coughs> onto, uh, onto the scene, and plenty of people want him on side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, um, a completely different horse than than Rouge. Than Rouge, um, he's totally laid back. Um, just life is just all about lying down, sleeping, either be out in the field in, in Ali's place or in the stable. He just he's just completely the opposite. The funny story with that horse between a funny story with with um, Chabello, Lebruil, and Itchy Feet. Two of them were from the one source, and Itchy Feet from 20 minutes away. And neither of the two guys who bred these two horses and pre-trained these two horses have anywhere to trot them. So we have to take down the goalpost in one place where Itchy Feet was to trot him to, to, to trot him because he's nowhere to trot him. He's a small gallop, but he's nowhere to trot him. So we have to take down the goalpost on the local football pitch so we can trot him. And Itchy Feet, oh, sorry, and Lebruil and Chitty Bello, they've nowhere to trot them either. So they have to stop the lights, wait the, the stable lad to stand at the red lights, make sure it's on red, and stop the car so you can trot them up and down the main road. There's two Cheltenham winners come out of there. Wow, and where where is this in is this in Ireland or in France? In France, this is in France. No, this is in in, in, in the in the middle of nowhere in France. A, a guy called Dennis Grandine. He he preached. He trained, bred, and trained both Chitty Bello and Lebruil. Wow, that's <laughs> quite an incredible and, story. And, and, and incredible, yeah. And incidentally, Andrew Brooks bought a three-year-old off him last week again, and we had to stop him on the main road and trot him up and down on the main road. A lovely new three-year-old, lovely horse. Wow, we're excited, for, excited for that one. So Itchy Feet is um, already in second favourite, nine to two with Bet Victor on, um, with, in the Marsh Novices. Um, so that's obviously going to be the target yeah. now. I think he's he's got a really, really good chance, and the, and the punters think so too. He's a, he's a good he's a yeah he's a good chance based on his on his last run where he you know he ended on his nose and 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 Gavin grabbed a hold of him and there's only a second run over fences. Um, and he come back on the bridle, and then you know he won the race. He sort of didn't really take a hell of a lot out of him. But prior to that run, I sat in the weigh room with Gavin, and I, um, he said, "Be witness to this." I said to him, "Don't worry about this horse. Got his jumping is down the back of the railway fences. Worry about nothing." Tom Cooper, as TC as we call him, told me he's as good a jumper of a fence that he's ever seen. He's as good as Paddy the Plaster was for over two miles. So don't worry about him. Let's just let him let him into every fence and let him. He 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 knows what to do. I said that to Gavin, and Gavin was looking at me, and he said, "No, I schooled him around. He schooled him around Hereford, uh, and he said he was unreal." So anyway, look, it all worked out. Uh, he's a lovely, he's a lovely young horse with a great attitude. Uh, trained by a very sharp trainer, a young sharp trainer, and I think this horse is a super chance. I think he's a super chance in Cheltenham because he is because he has course form. Incredible, yeah. It's a pretty glowing report again for that one. Yeah, ran well in the Supreme Novices last yep. last year. Another horse that has got course form, and yet another very good novice chaser. There's an embarrassment of riches developing here, but. Simply the bets, he is entered in three races at Cheltenham. Would he go for the, the not-novice race, the, the, the plate? He'll go for the Mirabel plate, yeah, and he'll win it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, no doubt in your mind regarding that. This horse will go very, very close in the plate.
He'll win. He'll just about win it. Well, I can tell you, whatever finishes in front of him will win it. This horse is improving all the time. And um, have you, uh, when you he's say improved, he'll win, when you say he'll win, win that race, have you looked at the other entries, or is that just on his own? You know how he's coming along at the moment, because obviously he hasn't run since trials day. How is he? How is he going at home? Yeah. second favourites how much did all of these horses cost if you if you can tell us like Itchy Feet Rouge Biff Calvados uh, Simply the Bets and Scannyberg how much are we talking like in, in a ballpark because that's a pretty impressive um, kind of uh, resume to go to war with at the Cheltenham Festival I think most people would kill for the, the horses um, uh, the Brooks family have got this year yeah Okay, well, if we, if we start off, we'll start off with St. Calvados. As I said to you, he was the price of a good second-hand car. That's the way I'd value him. A good <laughs> second-hand car. Uh, and and, and Itchy Feed was the, was the price of a good second-hand motorbike. He was a wow. very cheap horse. Um, yeah. Um, um, uh, simply, the, simply the bets, we bought him before he ran in a point-to-point. He was recommended by Tom Cooper. Bought him before he was going to run the point to point, so we had to pay a little bit more. Probably, pro- probably a good second-hand Mercedes for him. But uh, honestly speaking, look, it's not my business to say what they cost and so forth. But none of these horses were, were you know, were over the top expensive. No. They were all, they were all, you know, all relatively, you know, a good syndicate could have bought these type of horses. We just got lucky, you know. A really, really, really good. Um... Good, good squad then for this year. And um, but we're going to go off the kind yeah. of ser- serious topic now, and we're going to play our little game. We play a game with all of our guests, um, and you're no different. Okay. So uh, the game is, and I'm sure you've had this problem. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll be able to recognise them straight away. We're going to give you five Brooks horses, but um, when we type their name into autocorrect on our iPhones, what autocorrect suggests yeah. their name should be. 
So um, we'll start off quite straightforward, and it becomes progressively more yeah. difficult as you go down the line. So um, uh, the first one okay. is Rouge Big. Rouge Biff. Exactly. Correct. You, you, See? Were, you were trying to think too hard yeah. about that one, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. That one. What a guy. <laughs> that's the, that's the easy one. Next up, uh, I think there's another relatively easy one here in verbatim mix. Servaral mix. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So those are the nice ones. <laughs> and now the yeah, iPhone. Now here we go. And now the iPhones start to uh, pretty much completely rename your horses. Um, the third one is okay. an emoji. Almazaga. No, that's not right. It is uh, Anamoy. Anamoy. Yes, he's not even in training at the moment. <laughs> but he counts, he and he's got a complicated name. <laughs> uh, this one, we had a bit of a difference of opinion. Michael's phone thought one thing, and my phone thought another thing. So you get you get both autocorrects for this one. Uh, one of them is Cardem, okay. who won a, a Stewards Cup, and the other one was Knavesmeyer. I can tell he really wants to do well at this Yeah, time. he's really, really <laughs> focused. And, uh, you have me. I'm gone. Shall we, shall throw, we, one at, throw one at you. Car- Cardem starts with K-H. A cage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on, and the next one. Okay, the last one. Um, This one's a little bit of a blast from the past, and I'll be honest, the clue is just completely random so we're hoping maybe you've typed it into your phone and had the same problem as we did um the <laughs> it's late boo <laughs> the uh the autocorrect corrects it to late boo late boo we'll give you a clue was trained by venetia Faradari. no he was he was once upon a time a gold cup hopeful Tenko. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know why Katenko autocorrected to late boo, but we thought... <laughs> oh, I, I'm not sure why my phone <laughs> thinks I want to say late boo either. <laughs> late boo. Dave, what was, did, you plug the, did you put them into an iPhone? Yeah. Yeah, you should have put it into an Android. Uh, you're, 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 you're one of those, are you? Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. So we'll we'll just um we'll just uh finish up then by asking. I think we know you've got quite a few you really like, but if you could give us one bet for the festival, which horse or or which horses would you really want to be to be recommending? What would be your nap? So are you am I reckon are you asking me a question that which is my nap for to have a bet or which one would I like to see win the most? Uh, we'll do both. Give us both. The horse I'd like to see win the most is Itchy Feet. Yeah. Because uh, he's a character. And uh, not that I don't want any others to win, I do. Um, <laughs> the nap, I, I think, is simply the bets. I'll stick with him. Simply the bets. Yep. You gave a pretty glowing report, yeah, so I would be surprised if, you, uh, if you'd uh, changed. Yeah, and thanks for the, for the invoice. It's, um, I really enjoyed it. You're listening to my pod or yours. Now it comes for the time of our charity bet. Again, this uh, podcast is powered by Bet Victor, and they've been very kind to give us another charity bet um, we can put towards the Injured Jockeys Fund. And it was hard not to be very convinced by Sean Tiernan earlier. Um, and we've pretty much... I've never seen someone who has 
has not felt the need to justify why he believes Simply the Bets is the absolute bet of the festival. And um, we've we've come to his side, haven't we? We've come to the dark side, and that is going to be our selection. Yeah, I think we need to cop out of this one, because we had a great view in the first, uh, in part one of the podcast. <laughs> Which... we, we will get blamed if a great view doesn't win. So, Sean, this is all on you. This is nothing on us whatsoever. Simply the Bets for the uh, Brown Advisory and Marybell Place, I believe the full name is. Um, so that's our selection for that. Thank you so much for joining us for part two. If you haven't listened to part one, you've, you've missed some pretty good guests so far. And part two, uh, part three, in fact, will be coming up very soon.